Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. If you're watching this video today online, at the beginning of the sermon, we make an announcement about the next steps, the future of Hill City Church. If you've been impacted by the ministry of Hill City, we would invite you to participate uh, in this goal that you're going to hear about, that you would join us in the next steps that we would have as a church. Two and a half years ago, we came to the people of Hill City with a vision. And that vision was that one day we wanted to have a facility of our own, a property, a, a building for us to gather that is ours, that's home for us. And as we talked about this vision, we said that we want this to look and feel different than a normal church building, that we want a facility that is for Hill City Church, but is also for the city, to meet needs in the city in a tangible way. And we told you that the property, the name of this building would be the For the City Center, a place for Hill City Church to do ministry and a place to bless our community and bless our city in tangible ways. What a tragedy it would be for us to build a multi-million dollar facility and it sits empty six days a week. We want it to be used daily, weekly, over and over to meet needs in the city. And so this is the For the City Center. It's a place for Hill City to do ministry where we have a place to gather together whenever we want to do so. If we want to throw a prayer gathering in because we feel like we need one, it's okay, let's do it because it's our place. We don't have to rent it weekly. A place where we can better minister to families, to kids, to youth. I was talking to one of our Light Co., that's our student ministry volunteers, and she said, I wish we had our own facility to do some events. A place for our salt company, it's our Thursday night worship gathering for college students to meet. They're starting to fill up in the place they meet right now. It's a place we use that could be taken away at any moment. A place for them to meet. A place for us to do events for our church and a place to engage the city, the For the City Center, meet the needs of Hill City Church and the community. Michael, let's look at this. Can we go back to the other, the overhead image, please? So you'll see here, Mike, talk to, talk to us about kind of the overview of what we see. So, of course, the parking lot, it's big. It's connected to the building. You don't have to cross streets. That's a big deal. Um, also, what you're going to see on the front side of the building here by the, the street is a, a great kid space. So again, this is gonna this is gonna emulate what we have upstairs, but it's gonna it's gonna have more space. I don't know if you've been up there, families, lately, but it's starting to get tight, and we're using it for a lot of different purposes right now. But some dedicated kids space. There will also be some there'll be some multi-purpose rooms in there, kids worship, um, and then during the week, some of those rooms will be used for meeting rooms. We're gonna work out of this building too, similar to the way we do here. Um, so there's going to be great training, seminars. Our leadership institute will be housed out of here. So there will be classes during the week, um, hopefully on a growing scale there. And then the big tall part, that's going to be where we do our gatherings. We can do special events in there. We can do um, prayer gatherings. Our salt company will meet in there. Uh, lots of uses for us during the week uh, just in that big space. And then atrium space, I know we don't have that now. It's been something we've been looking forward to just as a way to mingle and get together and, and do more things there. Yeah, so a place to meet the needs of Hill City, a place where nonprofits can use our building to raise money for their causes, to meet, to train volunteers, to work out of. It's a place for both. So the timeline, 
In 2018, in December 2018, we had a half a million dollars given to us to purchase a property. I'm sorry, you didn't hear that. I'm sorry. (laughs) We had a half a million dollars given to us without asking to purchase a property because they believed in the ministry of Hill City Church. We purchased a property. We came to you last year and asked you to give above and beyond to raise money to demo the property. There were some buildings that we did not want to meet in. I'll just tell you that, that we had to get rid of. And so that's been happening. Mike, that's gone according to plan. Yeah, building is gone. The hole is filled. They're putting some some last layers on. Those layers are meant for pre-construction purposes. So we've been able to do all that with the giving that you all did in at the end of 2019. Yeah. Yeah. So we celebrate that as a church. We made our goal and then COVID. <laughs> and here we are. And so the, for the past nine months, really the elders, we've been looking and praying, God, what is next? Because none of us saw this coming as we raised money and thought, oh, here we go. And then the world shuts down. And so we've been praying and looking, when is the right time here? Not knowing what the economy would do, not knowing just what would happen. And I will say this, I know 2019 for some people, or 2020, has been very difficult. Some of you have lost jobs. Some of you have lost income. Some of you have switched jobs. Some of you have done really well in 2020. It really depends on the industry. So as we talk about these next steps, know that your, your elders were sensitive and aware that some of you, it's been a very tough year. And we're going to ask is that we all participate in whatever manner we can do. But it's time for our next step. So we are entering a seed gift phase to go and complete this property. The seed gift phase, here is our goal. In 2020, which is a couple months left, we want to raise $1.5 million. <laughs> I feel it too when I say that. I told I do a call with our salt pastors. I told him that this week, and I was like, oh, I feel the weight. 1.5 million. It's a big goal, and we're going to ask the Lord, God, we need help. Like, Lord, you own the cattle on a thousand hills is what the Bible says. Surely 1.5 million is not a big thing to you, even though it seems like a mountain to us. We're going to begin to pray. Would the Lord provide 1.5 million by 2020? Either way, it's a sea gift that our goal is 1.5 million to begin to start this project. Why this sea gift? Why is that important? Yeah, so in a construction project, think of it simply as a, a down payment. So instead of buying a building outright where you'd have a down payment, you certainly wouldn't start with uh, you know, a bunch of debt, hopefully, in that scenario. So for us, this is a down payment to get the, the wheels starting. We already have one gift over $60,000 without asking. We already see the Lord starting to provide this for us. So we're going to ask you, if you're Hill City Church, if you're a covenant member, if you're a regular tender, if you've been blessed by this church and this ministry, we're going to ask in 2020 you pray about a seed gift before the end of the year that you give towards this project. Um, Michael, how do they give their gift? Okay, so it's the same way you would normally give to Hill City. So you can go to the website, click on Give. And then you have to select for the city center. So if you do it digitally online, do it that way. Or you can put it in the box the old-fashioned way. Just write on there somewhere on the envelope or, or whatever for the city center, and it will get allocated to that. Very good. So that's our seed gift phase. We're going to go until we get $1.5 million. That's our seed gift phase. Once we get that amount, whenever that is, the next step will be coming to our church. Our goal is spring of 21. 
and coming to you asking us to give commitments for a, a multi-year commitment, two to three year commitment that we would give monthly towards this project. Once we get the amount we need in commitments, not necessarily income, but commitments, we can actually start the building process. So the building, actually starting construction is, is potentially very soon. What's the earliest that we potentially could start this? So if we did commitment phase in the spring and hit whatever that goal is, that's not where we stop, but that's where we, we start. If we hit that goal, it'll take two, three months to get the construction process going. So summertime, and then you got about 12 months of construction. So we potentially could start this project and be in a facility soon. And it's exciting. Um, we have felt, even in COVID, we felt the reality of not having a, a facility, a place. I mean, at any moment, this could not be available. And, and where does a church that has, you know, seven, 800 people, where, where do we meet on a Sunday? So we realize it's a big step for us. We're still a young church. We're, our, our demographic is a young church. Um, but we feel it's more of a risk to just sit here and wait and hope. And so we're going to start to plan and prepare and as soon as we get those commitments, we'll start that construction phase. We're going to give you more information. There's a, there's a flyer, Mike. Where can they get this? So we've got some of the connections table. We're also going to have some down here front. If you want to come up and talk to some of the elders afterwards and ask some questions, feel free. But we got something else coming up. Yeah, so we are going to do a prayer night because Lord knows we're going to need it. December 6th, Sunday night. If you'll put that in your calendar, Sunday night, December 6th, we're going to meet here in this building, and we're going to pray over this vision. We're going to worship together. We're going to pray together. We're going to cast some more vision, some more of the details of what this plan looks like. Again, the COVID challenges, if you remember when we first started this, we had a big dinner. We got together for three or four hours on a Saturday night. We, we can't do that because of COVID. So this is our opportunity to get together and begin to cast more specific vision. Now, one more thing. You guys, you continued to give faithfully to this church. We've continued to grow um, in our numbers and in our, in our giving. And we're at a place now where we're going to start looking for a couple of new staff positions. We're going to announce those to you today. One of the staff positions we're very excited about is we're going to start to search for a groups minister, an adult engagement minister, someone that will minister to adults in our church. We know that's a need that we're behind in, that we need to step in. So we're starting the search process now looking for another minister to come on and lead our adult city groups and minister to adults. As well as a coordinator, we have residents that help lead our church. They're young people that raise their funds to come and work for two years. We're going to hire a person to oversee that resident process and investing in our residents so we can equip them more. That person will also serve in our youth ministry in Lightco. So now we will have staff dedicated to kids and teenagers as well as college as we continue to try to minister to families. So we're going to begin to search for those positions now, and we're going to ask that you pray. We're going to ask that you pray for this vision. Pray that you ask the Lord, what would you ask of me to give above and beyond? Pray that the Lord would provide. Pray as your, your elders, your staff start searching for these staff positions to minister to our families and our adults um, we believe the future is bright for our church, and it's time to move steps forward. You with us? Good. Royce, you're one of our elders, one of our lay elders. I've asked Royce to come out and, and pray for us before the sermon. Uh, before we pray, I just want to uh, call us to prayer. Uh, in Psalm 37, 5, it says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, 
and he will act. And so listening to Daniel again cast this vision, I've heard it a few times now, but hearing him and Michael go through this, like he said, it's exciting. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but it's just like awesome to think about our own place, our own building, where we can do so much more, more for our church family, more for our city, and it's just exciting. But then also, like he shared, it can be a little daunting. Those are some big numbers that he talked about. And some of us might be thinking, like, can we even do this? Like, is this even possible? But the good news is we are not alone in this. Mm. We truly believe that this is God's plan for us, that God is leading us into this. And as we commit our way to him, as we trust in him, he will act. So it's not on us, it's not on me, it's not on you. We believe that he will act. So part of the way he's probably going to act is moving in our hearts to give generously. And that's something that that Daniel just talked about. But I think the first thought cannot be, what am I going to do? It's got to be, what is God going to do? That's good. That's good. So right now, I want us to do that, Uh, just to take a few moments to commit our way to the Lord and declare today that as we enter into this, we are trusting in him. So please join me and let's pray together. Father, thank you so much that you are the one leading our church. Thank you for leading your church, for leading us and for moving in ways that that we may not always see. Thank you for being a living and active God that is doing more than we could ever ask or imagine. And we are so thankful, we are so humbled for what you're doing uh, in this church. So today we commit our way to you. Lord, help us to delight in you, help us to trust in you and know that you will act. God, thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you that you will move in us and through us and in ways uh, that we can't even uh, predict. Um, And we are so thankful that we get to be a part of what you're doing, of the work you're doing uh, in this church and in this city. And God, I pray that you would help us, help us to uh, put away any uh, selfish desires or or motives, uh, anything inside of us that says we want to do this our way, help us to put that away. And God, help us to commit to your way, uh, knowing, God, that you are able and you will act. Amen. 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 Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. We're going to keep going in our, in our series on the book of Ecclesiastes. It's been fun talking to many of you as you've interacted with this book. And it's challenged you and encouraged you and confused you all at the same time. Ecclesiastes 9, beginning in verse 1. All this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know, both are before him. It is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked. To the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner, and he who is swears is 
And he who swears is he who shuns an oath. This is an evil that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil and madness is in their hearts while they live and after that they go to the dead. But he who is joined with all the living has hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward, for their memory of them is forgotten. For their love and their hate and their envy have already perished, and forever they have no more share in all that God has done under the sun, or all that is done under the sun. So go, eat your bread with joy, and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun. Because this is your portion in life and your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. The book, the Bible, God's word to you. There's a story from the mid-90s. A famous movie got made called Into the Wild. It's a story of a young man named Christopher who graduates from college with honors. He becomes discontent with the world and decides that he is going to disconnect from society. He rejects a job, leaves his family, cuts up his credit cards and his wallet and leaves behind his life. He travels west, becomes a wanderer, goes to Dakotas, Mexico, California, eventually hitchhikes to Alaska because in his mind, Alaska is the final frontier, the place where he can finally escape society and live a full life of contentment alone in the wilderness he crosses he gets to the wilderness in alaska crosses a river to go live in the bush in the countryside lives off the land for a few months and eventually the isolation comes to haunt him and he realizes that his idea of a life just alone, living off the land, separate from society, maybe is not what is best. So he decides he's going to go back. He's going to go back to his family. And he goes back and he cries across the river to which he crossed going into the wilderness. And because of the snow runoff, the the river is flood stage. He can't cross. So he's trapped. He spends the next few weeks starving, running out of foods, trying to find food to live off the land. The last picture he takes if you'll throw up the picture, is this. This is him. He found a bus in the wilderness that was, he called this magic bus that he lived out of. And this was the last picture he took. A few weeks later, hunters found his starving dead body in the bus because he, he ate poisonous berries. It was famously made into a movie called Into the Wild. Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam has a whole album on this that I listened to while I wrote this sermon. And why I chose to show that is, I think here's what Solomon would tell us, is that is life. Life is unpredictable. Life is not fair. 
Ecclesiastes is an honest book. It doesn't pretend that life will always be easy, that when we go and we chase what we think matters, it will always come back to benefit us in the end. He'll say the life under the sun is not fair, it's not neat, it's not tidy. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, he introduces an event, and he says the same event happens to all. What is the event? Did you catch it? It's death. He's looking at life. He's trying to make sense of life under the sun, life of our, of our heart and our passions, trying to find life in this earth under the sun. And he says, here's the problem with under the sun. Here's the problem about life apart from God. As you try to find meaning there, there's an event that's coming to you, and it's called death. And death doesn't care whether you're good or you're bad, whether you're cruel or whether you're kind, whether you're a sinner or a saint, whether you... Uh, are rich or poor, death does not care. The same event is coming to all. Solomon says death is the big elephant in the room at all times. A singer-songwriter I like said, we try to ignore the elephants, but it's there. Death is looming. So Solomon says death is the ultimate problem if you're trying to find meaning on this earth. Now, in our culture in America, we push death aside. We don't want to think about it. We don't want to talk about it. We are removed from death. But it's there. And so he's writing to people that think that somehow being rich will satisfy them or having a job, a great job will satisfy them, a new house, a new car, that something here will finally do. And he says, be careful because there's an event that happens to all, that death is coming, that God created the earth in his glory, in his way, where death does not exist, but here's what we sometimes forget, Eden is lost, it's gone, as a matter of fact, God tells Adam and Eve in Genesis 3.19, by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return when Adam and Eve sin and wander away from God, God tells them the consequence of their rebellion is death. From dust you were taken, and to dust you will return. But we forget that at times, don't we? So sometimes we think that earth under the sun is still Eden. Because we've got to admit, life's pretty good for us. Fair? I mean, let's go back 150 years from now because we have medicine that's advanced we have transportation like we can get on a plane and be I can be in Italy in a few hours I can see the world I have transportation I have comforts I woke up this morning to a nice 68 degrees in my home and sometimes we forget this world is not Eden even go back 150 years um, how many of us men would have lost our spouse in childbirth several how many of us would have lost children had medical advancements not happened in the past 150 years. I think as we read this, we've got to understand that that's part of us, we're, we're, we have a good life. We have a comfortable life, which what a blessing of God. I'm glad I have a comfortable life. Praise God for central air and heat. But yet, with that comfort... Sometimes comes this belief that life should be Eden still. And our desire for Eden, that I believe is still with us, that God has this desire, for, we have this desire for Eden that's, that's born in us, that's woven into our being. 
that our desire for Eden can become a demand. That I work hard and I demand, I expect to retire wealthy. That I will eat well and eat spinach every meal and expect to keep my health. That I'll get married to the wife that I love and my marriage will always be a place of Eden. That my kids will always be respectful. That I'll get home today and my kid will come, Dad, I appreciate the sacrifice that you make for us. That I will plant a church, Brad, and it will be wonderful. (laughs) No problems ever. There's part of us that still longs for Eden, but there's part of us that demands Eden. And here's what we've got to be careful. When our desire becomes a demand, we will get bitter when we don't get it. But can we remember God never promised us Eden after the fall? From dust you came, and to dust you will return. The prophet Jeremiah, I think he expresses this. God called Jeremiah to come serve him, and Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. It didn't go well for him. Israel rejected him. And here's what he cries out in Jeremiah 20. Lord, you have deceived me. I was deceived. You're stronger than I and you have prevailed. I have become a laughing stock all the day. Everyone mocks me. Here's what Jeremiah is saying to God. God, you tricked me. I thought it was going to be Eden. Come be a prophet. Oh, yes, that sounds like fun. That's what Solomon's saying is that, that, that part of us, we still long for Eden. We still long for this world to make sense, yet the same event happens to all. So verse 4, he says, Who is joined with the living has hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward. For the memory of them is forgotten. Here's what Solomon is saying. As long as you are alive, as long as you have breath in your lungs, there is still time. There's still time to refocus your passion and contentment in Christ rather than the world. That's what he's saying. The dead don't have time to do that. So I know, because I've talked to many of you, as we went through Ecclesiastes, we've been challenged. We've been challenged like, what is the focus of my life? Is the focus just, I need to make a lot of money? And Solomon would tell you, be careful. Because under the sun, that is vain. And here's what he says, the living, they still have an opportunity to repent. As we've talked through Ecclesiastes, the invitation to restore relationship, that some of us have relationships that have gone south. And we feel like there's no hope there. But Solomon would say, whoa, whoa, whoa. As long as you have breath in your lungs, there is still time. The dead, they can't fix broken relationships. But as long as you have breath, there is still time. For many of us, we've been challenged to find balance in our lives. That we want to work hard and have hobbies that we enjoy and rest. But we want to find balance there. We don't want to spend all of our time in work, nor do we want to spend our life just chasing and pursuing hobbies. Here's what Solomon said. As long as there is breath in your lungs, there is still time. 
Some of you have a dark struggle that you've been battling for years and you've said to yourself, I will take this to my grave. This will be part of my life. And I think Solomon's saying, no, no, no. The living, there's still time. As long as there's breath in your lungs, there is still time to refocus and come back to the purpose in which God has created you to live in. And he says, a living dog is better than a dead lion. And I have no idea what he means. But it's a great phrase, and here's what, sometime at work this week in a boardroom, just, just throw that out. Well, you know, a living dog is better than a dead lion, and just let it sit there. And people are going to think, wow, that guy's wise. It's like, so good, I don't even know what he's talking about. So that's for you later this week. Verse 11, he said again, I saw the sun, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor the bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those who acknowledge the time and chance happen to all. Do you hear that? For time and chance happen to all. For man does not know his time. And here's his analogy. Like a fish, they're taken in a net. And like birds caught in a snare. So children of man are snared at, a, at any evil time when it suddenly falls on them. Here's what he says. Here's the setup of life under the sun. You want to put all of your hope in your job and your money in your career, in our economy, in your political leader, and what you want to put your hope under the sun, at any second, gone. Like a fish swimming in the ocean, all of a sudden a net grabs, like a bird who gets caught in a snare. That's his analogy. At any point, our plans change in a second. One wrong turn, leaving on your way home from church today, and your world is turned upside down. One phone call, one medical visit, and everything changes. It's Solomon telling. Now, you're going to, like, man, Hood, this doesn't make me feel good. I know, but is it honest? Yes. See, here's what Solomon doesn't want to always make you feel good, but he wants to save your life. He wants you to be faced with the reality that my life is fragile, that at any moment I could be done. And he wants you to have that in front of you that it might drive us and motivate how we live. That ultimately this fragility of life, that at any moment my life could be gone, would not make us bitter with God, but actually make us see our need for God. That there's got to be more than this if at any moment it could all be gone. So Solomon, he's talking about death. He's talking about the, this setup of I build my life on something that's so fragile and it can be gone. It's almost like you can, you can feel the futility building as he says these words. Like, what do I do? I know I'm going to die. I don't know when it's going to happen. I know that all that I have done, my empire, I'll give to my kids and they'll squander it. That's what he told us. <sighs> Look what he goes. Verse 7. So go, eat your bread with joy, and drink your wine with a merry heart. For God has already approved of what you do. Your garments always be white, but oil not be lacking on your head. That's celebration. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love. 
all the days of your vain life. I love how he has to add that. All the days of your vain life. Because that is your portion in life in which you toil under the sun. He's not talking about numbing the reality of death with wine and food and sex. But he's talking about the reality that life is tough and it's unexpected. So he comes back, you better enjoy every moment. That's the balance of Ecclesiastes. Know it's going to end, and that end actually will help you enjoy the simple moments of life. Know that life is unexpected, so I better enjoy the Chiefs game today with some friends. Because who knows if I'll see another one. That's what he's telling you. It's the hope of Ecclesiastes that this world is insane, but for those in Christ whose God has given a vision beyond this world that this isn't all that there is, I can actually, out of that understanding, enjoy the simple pleasures of life, not trying to find ultimate meaning in those pleasures, but letting those point me to something for the future. So as I eat a meal And drink wine with friends. For believers, it should point you to a time when we will eat a meal and drink drink wine with friends from every nation around the throne of God. The great banquet table of the Lamb. And he says, for God has already approved of what you do. Go, drink your wine, eat your food, enjoy your wife, because God has approved of what you do do. Here's what he's saying. Christians, God is a giver of good things. He's a giver of good things. And yes, this life is tough. This life is unexpected. Death is coming. That's the curse that we brought. That's not what God gave us. That's the curse that we brought. But that God is working in that. And here's your identity. You ready for this? God has already approved of what you do. For the believer, those who are in Christ, by faith in Christ, for you to go eat a meal and drink your wine with friends is to be approved of by God, is to be blessed by God. That in Christ, though you are broken and though we have all these idols that we're chasing, in Christ, because of faith in Him, God approves of us. God doesn't approve of you because you give money to the For the City Center. He doesn't approve of you because you try not to work too much and try to find balance in your life. He approves of you in Christ because of the life, death, burial, ascension, resurrection, ascension of Jesus. He approves of you in Christ and now says, because you're approved of, go enjoy your life. I got to speak, we had our college fall conference this week. I got to speak to our college students last night. And I shared this passage with him, Romans 12, 1. Paul says, I appeal to you by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. So the goal of the Christian life, present your bodies, your life as God, this is mine. It's a sacrifice to you. My life is yours. That's the invitation. And I'm going to work for you. I'm going to strive for you. I'm going to try to show others who you are. And I'm going to enjoy a good meal with good wine and good friends and laugh because you've approved of it. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Here's what Paul tells us. The way you offer your life is one who is holy and acceptable. 
He doesn't say live in a way that's holy and acceptable and so somehow then you can offer yourself whole to God. No, he says you're going to offer yourself because in Christ you are holy and acceptable already. So it's out of our identity, brothers and sisters in Christ, that we now offer our lives to God knowing that we are holy and acceptable in Christ and actually in that a freedom to enjoy all that life has. So may you eat your food and drink your wine and enjoy your spouse and die with a smile on your face because you know the end is better than what it has been.